because there were already temples set up, or somebody who comes now and joins ISKCON, you know, we have a huge infrastructure set up. There's temples, and there's restaurants, and there's colleges, and, <laughs> you know, well, hungry, hungry, there's two colleges. So it's, it's quite different when you're joining a, something that's a society in name only. You know, when Prabhupada said the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, it was a group of like seven or eight people in one little building. I mean, e- even when I joined, nobody had heard of Hare Krishna. What? What's that? <laughs> well, what to speak of somebody like Jamuna? She came in, in 1966. Of course, at first she came as ostensibly just for her sister's wedding, and that was how she met Srila Prabhupada. But she was one of the a very small handful of pioneers who started the very first temples. And again, if you think of what that means, you know, she went to London. She was one of six people, three Grahasta couples who went to London. Um, you know, they weren't UK citizens. They couldn't legitimately work in the UK. How, where were they? You know, they just went there. <laughs> and actually, I was told they had to go there by taking the same money because you had to show the government you had some money to get in. They had to take the same money and keep putting it back in the other person's account to show that it was somebody else's money. And sometimes they were living in cardboard boxes on the street as literally homeless people. And without those, those individuals, we wouldn't have a Hare Krishna movement. You know, we wouldn't have these beautiful temples and, and deities... Jamuna was one of the people in, in India, Prabhupada sent her into many temples to learn cooking and deity worship. And these were temples where there were no women in the kitchen or on the altar, various traditional temples. And he said, no, you go. <laughs> and she taught, of course, cooking and deity worship to so many people. And for about nine years, Jamuna was personally serving Srila Prabhupada. So just, you know, again, there's only a handful of, of people in the Hare Krishna movement who got to do personal service for Srila Prabhupada even for a week or a month or a year, but what to speak of, nine years, and she traveled with Prabhupada extensively all over India. So her relationship with Prabhupada was very, uh, how would you say, was very close and very sweet. So she was, she was telling us a story about how when she was in India, as everywhere, when Prabhupada was speaking, she was sitting right up in the front. And then Achyutananda had spent some time with the Godiamat, and he came and said to her, what's wrong with you? Don't you see where all the other women are sitting? They're all sitting in the back. Why are you sitting in the front? And she thought, oh, well, I guess I should do that. So she went and sat in the back, and Prabhupada came up to her after the class, and he said, what's the matter? What is it, Srila Prabhupada? And he, he, he was looking very sad. He said, don't you want to hear? You don't want to hear from me anymore? She said, after that, she sat in the front, whatever anybody else would, would say. And Srila Prabhupada would have her regularly lead kirtans. I mean, obviously, we're hearing her voice every morning in the Brahma Samhita, which is part of my personal connection with Jamuna. But and all over India... You know, we have propaganda now that Prabhupada wouldn't want women doing this or that in India, but that wasn't what Prabhupada did. (laughs) 
just wasn't what he did. You know, you, it's kind of hard to argue with it, although people do. And we have this recording in a big pandal in Delhi where Prabhupada had Jamuna lead the kirtan, and he would often have her lead the kirtan before his uh, class. And he would also often have her give class, even when she would protest. And from the beginning of her coming, she was a cook. She already had a lot of experience with cooking, and Prabhupada specifically gave her that service of learning. And if you read her cookbook, you'll read that for every recipe, she tells some story of how she learned that recipe and how it had to do with Srila Prabhupada. So, especially when you hear Jamuna speak about Srila Prabhupada, what a uh, just total dedication to guru. And in one sense, we might say that's easier for somebody who had that kind of personal, direct relationship with their spiritual master. But in another sense, it's harder because familiarity breeds contempt. And generally, one is advised to keep a little distance. But she had just complete dedication and complete following you know, when she would cook, everything would be clean to a degree that we cannot even imagine. So just, you know, total following of Srila Prabhupada's orders. And I mentioned the other morning, right when we heard that she had passed, but when I, when I met her in Mayapur, what really struck me, she was very, she and Dina Tarni, who she, uh, after her husband, after Jumuna's husband, Guru Das, took sannyas in 1974, and soon after, she stayed with her friend Dina Tarni for, you know, for decades, like 30 years. And both of them had become very sick in Mayapur. So I went to see them. They were just recovering. And she said, what a wonderful place to be sick. And I was just completely caught off balance by that because, I mean, we were just in Mayapur, my grandson and I, and my grandson was, got sick on the way from Vrindavan to Mayapur. He had a fever. And, and he kept saying, oh, here I am in Mayapur and I can't do anything. I'm just sick. So normally we think like that. You know, I've come to a holy place and I want to participate, you know, in the... Sorry, I'm, you guys are behind me. It's not very good. So, you know, I want to participate in the, in the activities of the place and see places. And instead I'm just lying in bed. But Jamuna's mood was, well, if you're going to be sick anywhere... Be sick in the dumb. I'm kind of scratching my head over this. And she said, well, you know, when you're lying down in the dumb, you're offering dandavats. And she said, so I'm just constantly offering dandavats here in Mayapur. And then she said something really extraordinary. She said, being sick has put me in a position where I'm not just going to all the holy places and seeing this or that. And it helped me realize that when I'd been in the dumb before, it was almost like a tourist Oh, here's the place where this happened. Here's, oh, okay, take a picture of that. Take a picture of me at this place. <laughs> she said, but now I've been meditating and seeing how the Dham is actually the spiritual world. She was going on and on about how all the mosquitoes in Mayapur were transcendental personalities. It's funny, I was just, just now reading one of Prabhupada's purports where he was, it's where Krishna enters into Dwarka from Hastinapur and he's holding his conch shell and his lips are making the conch shell reddish and Prabhupada says actually for someone who's transcendentally realized there's no such thing as matter they see that Krishna's touch has spiritualized everything so that's what she was seeing in, in Mayapur and she's a very interesting person because you know she was tra- as a 
as a grahasta with her husband Gurudas. She was traveling with Prabhupada. After, after Gurudas took sannyas, Prabhupada told her, he said, you become a sannyasini. Of course, we never officially gave women sannyas, but that was his instruction to her. And he really encouraged her to be a recluse. He told her, now that your husband's taken sannyas, just have a very simple program. And he said, have, you should have such a simple program that you don't require any man to be involved. Because, you know, if you have a big house or a yard or something, then you usually, it's hard to do it with just women. He said, so you should have a program where you don't require any men. And uh, that's what she did. So she had a very, very simple program just with her friend Dina Tarani. Of course, she wrote the cookbook. And she did preaching in her own enclave. And she became basically for 30 years a very private person, but somebody who was very absorbed in, in chanting, always absorbed in taking care of her deities and always absorbed in chanting. Of course, when Prabhupada was with us uh, very early on, he said Jamuna has attained the stage of bhava. So, anyway, we're very, um, we're very grateful. We have, I think we have to remain very grateful to those people who were the, the very beginning pioneers uh, to, to go to foreign countries and start a temple with nothing. I mean, of course, that's what Srila Prabhupada himself did in America. Uh, but y- your faith would have to be very strong. The Prabhupada defines blind following as 10,000 people are following this person. Let me also follow them. But to follow somebody when only five people are following them, <laughs> that's a very different thing. You know, and just to start a society, again, to join a society. It's, it's, we have a very big society now in ISKCON. We have so much facility all over the world, you know, big, building this big temple of the Vedic planetarium and this thing and that thing. And, you know, but to, to create it with nothing, you'd have to have a, a large degree of faith and dedication. I mean, of course, also we can talk about their austere circumstances, but that goes on even today. The devotees going out to Brussels or staying and distributing books are also in similarly austere circumstances. But to have those sort of austere circumstances for day after day and month after month without any nice temple to come back to. You know, and those devotees who traveled like Jamuna in India and at a time when we didn't have any ISKCON temples. And you'd have to stay in very, very difficult uh, situations and who were the, the pioneers. Without them, we wouldn't have a Hare Krishna movement. So I, I only met Jamuna a few times. But I'm very, uh, my personal connection to her is through the song that she sings every morning. That the main, the reason I decided to visit a Hare Krishna temple was hearing that song. So my first contact with Krishna consciousness was a couple years before that in the Lower East Side in a shop that was playing a recording of Srila Prabhupada chanting. But it was, it was in the morning when I was brushing my teeth and I listened to the radio and I heard that song. And I said, what is that song? <laughs> I have to get that song. I have to get that recording. And I started listening to the radio constantly because they hadn't announced... I don't know if you know, on the radio, they announced the song before or after. They must have announced it before, and I came in in the middle. So finally I heard them. One more time I heard them play that song. They said, by the Radha Krishna Temple. So from that I went to a record shop and got that album. And from that I put the pictures from the album on my wall, which were the pictures from the covers of Krishna book. And from that 
there was a fellow student in my secondary school who I didn't know, who I saw reading Krishna book in the library and had the same picture that I had in the album. And so I got the borrowed the book from him and he brought me to the temple and that was how I joined the Hare Krishna movement. It was basically through a connection of, of hearing Jamuna sing that song on a on a record album. And we could, a couple more things, I guess, I could say. Something that struck me that, that Jamuna was telling me in uh, London, how, you know, the first Radha Krishna deities were Radha London Ishwar. And how we got those deities is a really funny story. Prabhupada kidnapped the deities. <laughs> but I Prabhupada put Jamuna in charge of the deity worship there. And at the beginning, there wasn't practically any paraphernalia for worshiping the deity. There weren't very many pujaris, and there, you know. I mean, now when we install deities, before we install deities, we make sure there's so many outfits, and there's, you know, you get this and that, but there was nothing. So Prabhupada instructed her, and she said, as far as she knows, she's the only person Prabhupada gave this instruction to, to do uh, all manasa puja. So she was going through all of the attributes of the deity worship in her mind. And she was indicating, she wouldn't speak about it publicly, but she was indicating that it wasn't just um, the external aspects of deity worship, but actually a, a mental meditation on serving Radha and Krishna and Vrindavan. And that he gave her this very, you know, this, this instruction that Mahaprabhu gave through Swarabhadamadar to Raghunath Goswami. So Prabhupada gave this instruction to Jumuna to have this kind of manasa. Seva on Radhalandanishwar and seeing them as serving Radha Krishna and Vrindavan. So this was something very special. So of course, you know, in one sense we're happy for her. Her body was very sick and she was about 70 years old. And but for ourselves it's very uh, it's very sad and to lose the, the presence of a great soul on the planet. So I hope I didn't talk for too long. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to speak. Nice for me. <laughs> All right, Krishna.